Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too, a podcast with me, COVID positive Samantha Hees, and him, Andy, Super COVID Randawa. Oh, I got a bad case of Super COVID? Yeah. That's why I feel so shitty. Yeah. And I got the Super COVID. <laughs> Actually, in the grand scheme of things, we got off pretty light, we but we still did. feel like garbage. <laughs> yes. If I didn't have this constant sense of needing to go to bed, I would be a lot more productive during the day. But you sound much better than last week. I do. I'm a little bit less congested, which is good. And I think I'm on the upswing as well, and I'm drinking delicious tea. So look, my voice is already getting better. Woohoo! It's amazing. And here's my little tip to people out there uh, in general. The Tetley Vanilla Earl Grey, put a little honey, a little milk. It's close to the Kieran Milk Tea, which is my favorite brand of milk tea. So that's a little little insider tip. Oh, yeah. Did we talk about what the name of this podcast is? No. This is... I love this, you should too, and we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. And today's episode is brought to us by the Future of Podcast, which is by Alberta Treasury Branch. It's hosted by Todd Hirsch, ATB Financial's Vice President and Chief Economist. The Future of Podcast has launched its third season by connecting with industry leaders to uncover what's on the horizon for things that mean most to you. The Future of Podcast promises to give you insights to help navigate what is often an uncertain future, explore how our economy and communities can not only brace for change, but embrace the opportunity it creates. You can subscribe to the Future of Podcast on the Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to our podcast, and connect with them at atb.com slash thefutureof. Thank you. So today is one of our in-between, more relaxed episodes. So we'll each have a spoiler-free thing of the week. And then at the end of the episode, Samantha will tell us what we're watching for our big watch next week. But to start things off, Sam, what's your thing of the week? My thing of the week is another book. Um, Big surprise. Uh, It's called Maybe in Another Life. Uh, It is by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which is, uh, she's the author of Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. So if you know me and my books, I tend to find an author and a narrator that I really like and then read pretty much everything by either that author or that narrator. Um, And so this is another one uh, that was really good and I kind of devoured it really quickly. So, So it's a fiction romance what if kind of novel the explanation for that is this book has two kind of parallel storylines where the main character lives out two completely different choices and uh has some pretty big things happen to her in both storylines and um you kind of get to see them out until the end to see how these storylines play out and you don't ever get to know which one was actually the real one but I thought it was kind of a neat idea of switching back and forth to different storylines to kind of see how if you had taken this or if this had happened to you what your life would have been like oh it's kind of like that sliding doors movie remember that no it was a Gwyneth Paltrow I don't know if it was good I think it might not have been but 
So at the end of the book, it's almost, is it kind of like two books, essentially? It's kind of like two books happening at the same time. It's got all the same characters in it, um, but they kind of intersect in different ways in the different storylines. So I think it was pretty fun read to kind of get um, your mind around once I got used to switching back and forth. Um, but the author makes it really easy because there are some like pretty major things that happen in the beginning of both storylines that change how the main character interacts with her life completely. So it's pretty easy to kind of get a handle on that. So when I would bring it up, you weren't a fan, but it seems like you maybe you're coming around on things that approach the topic of free will versus predestination, because that kind of seems like what's going on here. <laughs> you're making it very scientific. <laughs> but I thought it was kind of neat. I thought that's an interesting thing to think about. And just to think about like a point in your life where you weren't quite sure what you were going to do. And then if you had gone one way, what would it have been like? Right. And if you'd gone the other way, what would it have been like? So does this get into that idea by perhaps the characters making very different choices, but then some of the same things happening and then kind of getting into the idea of like, well, yeah. this was kind of destined to happen mm -hmm. almost? Yeah, you definitely get some of that at the end. Um, and there's a few things that stay true throughout like the entire thing, the entire book. Um so it's kind of neat to see that, like, what would have happened anyway, mm -hmm. no matter what storyline, and what would have happened because these six things happened first. Can you give us any insight into what some of the subject matter in either of these two stories is? Yeah, so the story like kind of hinges around 29-year-old Hannah, who doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life. She's kind of lived in different cities, held a lot of like really random jobs, and hasn't really settled or figured out what she wants to do when she grows up, which is a, a feeling I know well. Yeah, me too. Um, she moves back to Los Angeles and moves in with her best friend, Gabby, and her husband. And shortly after getting back to town, Hannah and Gabby go out to a bar and Gabby sees her high school boyfriend, Ethan. And then this is where the stories kind of diverge. Oh, is it kind of like a classic if we get back together and then if we don't sort of thing? So it's a classic, um... If she stays at the bar with Ethan and continues drinking and goes home with him, this is the storyline. Right. If she goes home with Gabby and her husband, this is the storyline. And so that's where the two things kind of diverge. Mm -hmm. And so um, it, what I found really interesting was the staying with Ethan at the bar choice wasn't as like dangerous as you'd think that that choice would be it was actually the other choice that was more dangerous oh. and changed her life like quite significantly so um i don't want to give any more away because it kind of ruins the book then right but if you like this kind of back and forth two storyline what would happen if you made different choices in your life kind of book. You should check out Maybe in Another Life by Taylor Jenkins Reid. It was published in 2015, and um, it is kind of available everywhere. 
So for people who aren't familiar with your reading style, at the beginning you mentioned narrators that you like. Yes. And by that you, of course, mean audiobook readers. Yes. I so don't what read do you... real books. So right. audiobooks are the way I get my so books. So again, this is a, a very good reader. You like them? I do. I do. Um, I like either really well-performed books. So lots of times, like the Bridgerton books were a good example of that. The narrator did different voices. They did different accents. They did like all sorts of, like it was a performance, like a true performance. This one I enjoyed because the narrator didn't distract from the story. Because sometimes you get some like really odd choices for voices or voiceovers or characters and then it's just really distracting. So this one was really good. It helped the story flow, but the narrator didn't get in the way of what was happening in the story. So more of a, a low-key performance, not yes. swinging for the fences, mm-hmm. not winning any Oscars here, but they're, no. they're letting the material shine. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think I like that. I do audiobooks sometimes as well. Maybe I'm not quite the connoisseur that you are. I like switching back to paper pretty often. But I think I like the t- types that are a little more low-key and understated yeah. and let me kind of create the characters myself. I can tell that just from listening to the ones you listen to, like in the shower or around the house on the speaker. That's true. That's when I do audiobooks is when I'm in the shower because I'll be like really into a book. But I can't take paper into the shower with me. So I uh, have a little waterproof speaker. I listen to my audiobooks in there. Yes. I think you like too plain of narrators. Well, I think it's also a lot of the subject matter that we're listening to because most of the books I'm listening to are, they tend to be over 50 years old. Mm -hmm. So the audiobooks that I'm getting are probably closer to 20 years old. And I don't think it was as established of an art form as it's becoming now. Right. Because now it's more voice acting. Yes. And back then it was like, oh, I guess you want to listen to this book. Here you go. Yeah. (laughs) Here's seven CDs. (laughs) Oh, yeah. More than that. Yeah. You do like a long book. (laughs) So Indy... Speaking of long books, what is your thing of the week? It is not a long book at all. It's not long. It's not even old. It's not obscure. It's super popular and current. But who are you? Are you me? (laughs) So my thing of the week is the television series Ted Lasso. So I didn't actually realize how popular it was. I watched it just based on the recommendation of my friend Oliver because he knows the score so he told me you have to watch it so I watched it and only after watching it and loving it I realized that it just kind of like swept the Emmys yeah I, I did not oh yeah know no that Ted Lasso won everything because I don't uh, I don't care for award shows they tend to be real dumb but yeah. in this case wow the Emmy sure nailed it this show's great <laughs> <laughs> oh momentarily pro award show <laughs> this particular time yeah yeah So uh, the premise of this show is there is an American football coach named Ted Lasso, who is played by Jason Sudeikis, who I I'd enjoy in a lot of things. I think. Oh, I love Jason Sudeikis. He's kind of the next wave of Paul Rudd to me in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. He often played that kind of character. Um, But it starts off like a really typical sitcom because it's kind of a it's a silly premise and it has a lot of typical sitcom tropes. So the premise is that he is hired by an English premiership football team, like Mm -hmm. soccer football, for us North Americans. 
And uh, for all of you snobs out there, if someone goes, actually, it's uh, football, you could tell them that the term soccer predates the term football for oh. what we call soccer or football because there was rugby and then there was association rugby, which is soccer, football. And uh, association got shortened to soccer over the time. And so soccer predates the term football. I'm having a really hard time figuring out how you shorten association to soccer, but that is a very cool etymology <laughs> lesson. <laughs> um, so they hire him to come coach their team, but it's like a major league situation, major league, the baseball movie mm -hmm. of like, I'm going to do everything bad to tank this team because I'm an evil owner. Ha ha ha. Oh. And that's where it starts. And that is not where the show ends. That whole premise is wrapped up thankfully early and it gets into much more interesting stuff than that because hmm. it starts off like yeah very tropey and has like the bad guys and everything but the show is like what would happen if all of these typical sitcom characters we often get in romantic comedies or sitcoms met someone who truly inspired them to be better rather uh -huh. than just like the contention that you normally get on shows like that right and I think the most striking thing about this show at the beginning was how it's just relentlessly positive. And it's completely earnest and honest and bare. And the joke isn't on the relentless optimist, who is, uh, who is Ted Lasso. They're kind of like an alien mirror for society. You know how there's characters sometimes who are so naive or childlike or like your ETs or your Iron Giants right. who... Because they're outside of the world, they are able to comment and reflect upon our world in mm -hmm. ways that we aren't. He's kind of like that. And it like just unabashedly tries to uplift constantly. And it doesn't have a sense of irony about that, which is so rare in uh, pretty much all media today. And I find it so much more uplifting than like a romantic comedy. Because, of course, everything works out in a romantic comedy. And you go along on this journey and you're supposed to feel good by the end. But in this, it uh, leaves you feeling good, not because everything worked out, but because you believe in the kind of morals that they're espousing. Yeah. Which is not an easy thing to do. It's capable of convincing you that things will work out. Not by showing everything miraculously working out, but showing you how you and everyone else can do better and be better. Hmm. It's not a show where you're happy because everything works out. It's a show that you feel good because people can get through things. And maybe by extraction, you can get through anything as well. And I know I said that it's like relentlessly uplifting, but it's in new and original ways constantly. Because if something were always just happy, there are no stakes. It's a 1950s sitcom. Mm -hmm. And there are definite moments of sadness and hardship but they're just so profoundly real and relatable that there's a, a beauty to those as well. So I'm talking about how positive it is. You watched one episode with yes. me. And you might have like a different take on that because that episode wasn't just all happiness. What could you say about the one episode you saw, which was kind of in the middle of things. So it was a weird one to pick up. On. Um, I don't know. It seemed like there was like a family aspect to it. Like, all these people had become so close that they were, like, a family now. That's actually very true. The The idea of a found family yeah. or a created family is very, very strong in this. Um, I didn't understand what was happening. 
Um, and there was a lot of drinking. <laughs> that was those are those are kind of what I took away from it. But I thought there were elements that maybe you would like in that show. Was there anything that made you want to watch more? Um, prob- because there were rich women, and I know that is kind of your like I don't know top thing in TV shows. Um, I I don't know that I picked up on that. Oh, they maybe they didn't seem as rich at the time. <laughs> I I kind of want to watch it just based on the fact that everyone loves it. Mm-hmm. Sarah and my book club is just like obsessed with it because she loves Jason Sudeikis forever. He's very good. So I uh, like that was part of the reason that I kind of want to watch it. But I uh, don't know that I got anything else from that little bit that I watched. And I'm not usually one to differentiate between, like, men's shows and women's shows. Like, everything's for everyone if you're the right type of person. Mm -hmm. But I do think this is a show that all men should watch because, Mm -hmm. like, what's the opposite of toxic masculinity? Whatever that is, this show promotes that in, like, such a beautiful way that I really love. There's a lot of father-son stuff. And just, like, men being vulnerable in relationships, I really like, because it's based on this uh, soccer team, there's sequences where one of them is on, like, a dating app, and all of them gather around and are, like, cheering and are so happy when, like, he gets a response, things like that. Or That's kind of a, a very uh, small part of it, but it also kind of exemplifies the, the bonding that these guys yeah. go through and male relationships that you don't tend to see on no. the screen. Also, like, female relationships that you don't tend to see on screen because there's two uh, very beautiful, powerful women and they meet and they get along great. (laughs) It's not a competition. They realize they have so much in common. And then one of the characters, her best friend, her old best friend comes in and you're like, oh, the new best friend and the old best friend, they're going to clash. No, they of course, they have the same mutual friend, so they have share a lot in common. And they love each other. And yeah, why wouldn't they? That makes... That's awesome. They just, like celebrate what they have similarly and um and their differences and they get along and it's fun that's so cool it also deals with therapy a lot because maybe in uh in the second season there's only two seasons out thus far there will be a third coming and they deal with therapy and people's hesitancy towards it but the show itself is therapy it's very therapeutic because they walk through a lot of the ideals that a therapist would probably talk with a person about and not just the therapist character but just the um the themes of the show right and i think of course like everything i'm saying the easiest criticism of the show would be that it's overly sentimental or schmaltzy and like with the christmas episode i get it i agree but like it's a Christmas episode, so you let like, things slide. Yeah, you give them like a people just more straight leeway. up like have their songs in it. Oh, right? nice! But not in a musical sense. They perform a song like they are performing a song. Oh, I love, <laughs> I love when there's musical episodes in shows. But I, I understand that criticism, but I'm so forgiving of it because it does lean into a lot of heavier stuff, and. As the show goes on, it kind of reveals, like with a lot of people, that all-encompassing optimism is often a uh, coping mechanism to deal with or to hide like an underlying sadness. Mm-hmm. And the more that gets explored, the more interesting the show is. And because I'm having a lot of trouble speaking, I'm going to play a little clip 
Okay. And I think this clip sums things up nicely because it starts with a very silly sitcom premise. And I don't think I'm spoiling anything to say that this is the premise of this is it's at the press conference after a game. And during the game, one of the players kicked a ball and it hit and killed a dog. What? And like, that's a silly sitcom-y thing. Yeah. And then they, the reporter asks about it. And this is the response that Ted Lasso gives. <laughs> I was wondering if you had any comments on Earl. The dog Danny Rojas killed today. Well, when I was three years old, I got attacked by our neighbor's dog. I don't remember it happening, but my mother said it was pretty, pretty scary, you know. I do remember being afraid of dogs while growing up, though. Like if I was at a friend's house for a sleepover or something, they'd have to keep their family dog outside, otherwise I'd bawl my eyes out. <laughs> then in high school, our neighbor, Mr. Grady, well, his, his wife passed away. And he was real sad about that, as you can imagine. And he just kind of stopped taking care of their dog. Same one that bit me. His name was Hank. And so I started looking after him, you know, feeding him, taking him on walks, playing fetch, all that fun stuff. Eventually, Mr. Grady's son moved his dad into a nursing home, and he asked if I wanted to keep Hank. And I was like, yeah, heck yeah. And then a year or so after that, we had to put Hank to sleep. It's funny to think about the things in your life that can make you cry just knowing that they existed can then become the same thing that make you cry knowing that they're now gone. I think those things come into our lives to help us get from one place to a better one. And I hope we help Earl do just that. We're going to miss him around here a whole bunch. I like this little clip because it uh, has a few things that are great about the show. It starts off with a very silly premise. Mm -hmm. And then it gets into this speech that you heard. And I think if you're not um, familiar with the show and you're listening to that out of context, it could be like too much. It's a little in your face with how yeah. like it's a speech, it's a soliloquy. And you're we're not used to seeing that in just sitcoms. Right. But if you're willing to just let it go and listen to it, it is it's quite beautiful and well written. And then there's another level because once you're familiar with the show, you realize how that little speech is a metaphor for some of the characters mm -hmm. and what they're going through currently. And then the next thing that's going to happen after this, it cuts to the guy who uh, killed the dog accidentally is in the shower, just kind of like weeping and praying to oh. God. <laughs> so it like has uh, it has those uh, flashes of just normal more straight up sitcom right. humor as well it seems like a very well-rounded show i like it a lot i liked that little bit they have a bit where they take alan iverson's practice speech which i'll link to in the show notes but if you know it you know it and <laughs> if you don't know it you probably don't care but he does a word for word reenactment of the speech that alan iverson of course the great basketball player gave when asked about practice <laughs> Not a game. Not a game. Practice. We're talking about practice. And anytime anyone uses the word practice, I always have to respond with, Not yes. a game. Not a game. Practice. practice. And he does it, but it's like a joke because he's taking this very famous, funny press conference bit. But then they actually turn it into something great. Huh. And that, that was a great moment. 
I also love that there is a character who struggles with crippling panic attacks and then does a good job of being very enthusiastic at work and never mentions it because like I have very bad panic attacks but I love that there's a good variety of English accents because we always kind of see the same three. That like perfect British accent. You get that or you get Cockney. Yeah, or like really unrefined. And there's a good, good variety. And I love listening to the different football players in this and like knowing where they're from. That's kind of fun. And I'm sure I never read any reviews of this, but I'm sure there's a bunch that say like, well, Ted Lasso is a show that can save us through these dark times. And yeah, sure, maybe, but I think that's reductive and lazy. (laughs) But what I will say is even through its darker second half of the second season is that maybe it's not like the thing that's going to save you, but it celebrates figuring out how to save yourself Hmm. with help, perhaps. Cool. So either way, um, it's funny how like in all the movies, I always have like the dark take and you're like, oh, you're so negative. But then everything I bring up is like positivity. Yeah. I think I maybe it. I just don't have the middle ground. It's like I like one or the other. Yeah. I like nihilism or eternal optimism. <laughs> I don't like in the middle. It's a little bit of everything. Yeah. So this is available on Apple TV, which I only learned was a thing after starting to watch yeah. this show. And I guess they're doing some good work. And I think there's they some are. other good shows out there. I'm not familiar with any of them. But there are two seasons of Ted Lasso that you can check out now and a third on the way. And I'm very excited for that third season because it is, well, now that so many shows that I like are no longer being produced, it might be my favorite current show. (laughs) Yeah, pandemic, we lost a lot of good shows. We did. We lost a lot. We lost a lot. We lost a lot. But luckily, Ted Lasso is there to bring up the middle. Yeah. Well, before we get into Samantha's pick, let's thank our second sponsor, Pod Power. And with Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to. Well, you know where I'm going to go with this. I'm going to be very self serving and serving of the community. Shout out to yourself. Yes, and give a shout out to Overdue Finds. That's Finds with a D. And Overdue Finds is an Edmonton Public Library podcast. Bryce Crittenden and Caroline Land host conversations about books, movies, music, pop culture, and other interesting news all around Edmonton. But it's not just Edmonton-based. It's a great way to learn more about what's happening at EPL and how you can use your library card to access all of EPL's in-person and online services. And if you love both the library and me, and I think 5% of our audience does, because that's people who I'm related to, (laughs) you can find... Or marrying. (laughs) You can find me on episode 42, Oh the Horror, where I talk about some of my favorite horror movies and just kind of the state of horror films. And more recently on episode 98, if you're still not done with Christmas and you want to hear a discussion about It's a Wonderful Life, although I do kind of talk about The Shining in that as well. I (laughs) I kind of jammed that in there a little bit. And if you're sick of me, there are so many other episodes you can listen to. And you can find that wherever you're listening to us right now. 
Or you can head to epl.ca slash podcast and listen to more Overdue Finds. Awesome. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode where Samantha will let us know what we're watching for our big watch next week. Sam, what do you got for us? Well, remember last week? I do remember last week. Actually, vaguely. I vaguely remember last week. Because I legitimately lost two full days in uh, COVID fever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm right with you there. So the movie we did last week, Vampire, semi-love story. Let the right one in. A great movie or very good, if you ask Samantha. Um, so I thought 2008 was apparently a great year for vampire content, so we're- no, it's just the one. Oh, okay. Then well, there was some other garbage, <laughs> which I know where things are going now. Uh, so I saw this movie when it came out, and I remember thinking it was kind of dumb, but it was- Wait, you thought it was dumb then? Yeah. And you I think en- it's going to be better now? I don't know. I enjoyed it. I'd like to see and tear this one apart with you. Yes. If you will come along on this journey. Oh, you know I will. So we will be watching the 2008 film starring Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson as Bella and Edward, the doomed romantic couple of Twilight. Are they doomed? I don't know. I thought they get together and it's like, okay, and then they're in love. Well, he's 108. Yeah, but to them in this movie, I believe that's like cool. Yeah. Like if you date a 25-year-old in high school, that's gross. But if you date a 108-year-old, it's cool. (laughs) I, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe it'll be good. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) It's possible. I feel like everyone knows something about Twilight. What do you know about Twilight? So I've seen... Parts of one of the movies. I don't know which one because there are four? Five. Five. Wow. Okay. There's Um, four books. The last one was split in half. Right. Harry Potter style. Harry Potter. I know that uh, Pattinson is a great actor. He's fantastic. I have seen other movies with him and I think he's very talented. What was it? The Lighthouse? Lighthouse was great. Yeah. Like he does actual acting. Yes. And um, what's the Kristen Stewart? Is Kristen the other one? Stewart, yeah. So she has won some very prestigious awards and is known to be very good. But things like Personal Shopper, which are the ones like the more artsy movies that she gets mm-hmm. great reviews for, I actually didn't care for. I saw and Personal she, Shopper and I didn't care for it either. And she's done some straight up garbage as well. Yeah. So I'm not sure about her. I know a lot of people say like, oh, no, she is actually great. You just She just does half garbage and half good stuff, like Alan Cumming. Because mm-hmm. if you look at his stuff, you'd think, yeah, he's garbage, but only half of it's garbage. Yes. So she might be like that? I think she might be because she's done some other stuff and has been very, very good. And then this also has that guy who looks like an alpaca. Oh, <laughs> Taylor Lautner. Right. Or is it a llama? I get mixed up. So you saw this in theaters? I might have, and I'm a little embarrassed to admit that. Well, I think you're in the majority because it did very, very well it box office-wise. It was huge, and it was the most purchased DVD in 2009. What a time to be alive. Yeah, uh, Let the Right One In, I think was I think was probably second. I think it was I'm second. pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, it was the second most purchased DVD in 2009. Um, I, that sounds about right. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I guess when I was answering what I know about it, I know they're in it. I know he's a creepy old vampire, but it's cool because he's good looking. And he looks 17, apparently. Yeah. Which he he also does not look 17. No, neither of them look 17. I know that the vampires sparkle in this rather than bursting into flames like they do in Let the Right One In. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, I guess fun in a different way. (laughs) (laughs) I know that there's baseball in one of them. That's one scene I've seen and it was ridiculous and I loved it. You love baseball too, so. I, I don't love baseball. Oh. I love, I think baseball has the best movies of any sport. Oh, okay. So you don't love baseball. I like playing baseball. Watching an entire baseball game, I could not do it. It's very boring. Yeah. I like going, if I were there, because then it's kind of like a fun thing. Yes. To do. Like live sports are great because you have the atmosphere and the other fans. And at baseball games, they know that baseball is boring. So there's lots of things going on. Yes. <laughs> And then I assume, I actually don't know these things, but I assume it's going to be that she doesn't know he's a vampire, and then they kind of fall in love, and then he trusts her with the secret, and then there's going to be like, his, does he have a family or a clan? Vampires often have clans. They'll say like, no, you can't be with her. She's immortal. And then maybe she has a family who's, hopefully she has someone telling her like, don't be with him because he's a vampire and fucking a hundred years old. (laughs) That's gross. You're a teenager. Go to university, maybe. Try university. Work abroad. Do something else. There's a lot more things to, you could do to make yourself worldly than dating a elderly man. <laughs> but um, I, I assume that's going to be part of it. Like, they'll try to, like, Romeo and Juliet it a little bit. Mm. But since there's four of them, I don't feel like that's going to come to a head in this movie. This one will probably be more just on the romance story. And there'll be one hurdle for them to overcome. I'm not engaging (laughs) okay so i don't give anything away Um, oh yeah you don't want to spoil twilight (laughs) yeah the the really you know underknown indie film of 2008 (laughs) i do remember it looking good yes it's beautifully shot it was shot primarily in oregon and um it's gorgeous it's got that like what is it the pacific forest yeah, Pacific Northwest. It's, yeah, like it's got that spent a lot rich of time in those green, forests. like mossy, I don't want to say damp because that sounds gross, but like dampness to it. But there are literal rainforests. Yeah, so it's beautiful in the way that they shoot it and they do a really good job of using like light and color and just the natural beauty of what surrounds them in Oregon. It's going to be great. So if you want to watch 2008's Twilight. It is available on Netflix in Canada, and I'm sure your local library has like 17 copies of it. And they're all going to be taken out because it's just as popular now. (laughs) It is. Is it? Or is this one of those things like an Avatar situation where at the time everyone's like, yeah, it's amazing. And then everyone kind of sobered up a couple years later. It's like, oh, I don't know what we were thinking. (laughs) We were wrong. What is the thinking on Twilight? Because I know, of course, I'm probably you know what i shouldn't say of course but there's a good chance i won't love this movie and there's a good chance i wasn't meant to but people who did love it then do those people still love it i don't know i mostly read the twilight books so that i could have an opinion on what people i knew were talking about like i more read them just because wait how old were you when those came out in 2008 i was 20 20 
Okay, so you weren't like right at the, I think probably 15. 15 to, yeah, 17 was probably like the big ages for this. But I did have a lot of friends who really liked um, this like genre of books. Mm -hmm. So I read it just so that I like knew what they were talking about because I'd go places with them and this is all they would talk about. So I was like, well, I guess I just have to like figure it out. Right. (laughs) Or else I'm just going to sit here not listening for a very long time. So I read the books. They're not particularly well written. Um, There's a strong, like, guidance towards finding true love and not dating. What do you mean? Like, it's a very, like, like Mormon principle, right? Like, she's Mormon, I believe. Um, The author, Stephanie Myers, she kind of instills that in the books of like oh don't date around like save yourself for your true love kind of thing oh i thought it was more about an older sexual predator grooming a young woman to be his (laughs) plaything that's just what i get from the discussion around it again i haven't seen it but i guess we'll get into all of that next week we will so go find it It's probably at your library. It's also on Netflix. And we will meet you back here next Monday when we discuss 2008's Twilight. I got to say, like, not joking at all. I am very excited to watch it. I am too, kind of. I feel like it's going to be too long. That'll be my only criticism. But I feel like it'll be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we can we can have some fun with it. Wait, and I definitely misspoke. That the length will not be my only criticism. <laughs> I was gonna say, oh, this is gonna be a good podcast next week. My only criticism of the watching process. Okay, sounds good. Okay, we'll see you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>